Hello, friends and family. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This episode should be coming out on January 23rd, which is two days after my daughter Claire's 10th birthday, which is just kind of crazy to think about that. My little girl is 10 years old. That's just pretty awesome. She is strong-willed and hard-headed and she questions everything. She's incredibly creative and sweet and kind, but also tough. She's got a little chip on her shoulder that I think will take her far in life. And that's just kind of where my head is, thinking about my little girl turning 10 years old. When this episode drops, hopefully we will have been spending the entire weekend celebrating her birthday. Now, some good news. I found an organization that kind of blew my mind a little bit because this organization is very close to home. I've been trying to highlight a lot of these groups, organizations that are in the Midwest. This particular organization is very close to my hometown. This organization is called Seed Savers Exchange, and it's based in Decorah, Iowa, which is a little more than an hour, I suppose, from where I live in St. Ansgar, Iowa. And I kind of got fascinated with the work that they're doing. I'm especially blown away that they're so close. This is an organization I want to reach out to some more of these groups that we have highlighted and just to see if there's anything else we can share and just so I can learn a little bit more. I love learning about pretty much everything and especially I especially enjoy learning about people and groups who are trying to do positive things. The Seed Savers Exchange looks like they've been up and rolling since 1975. And what they are, in part, is the nation's largest non-governmental seed bank protecting heirloom varieties. Now, I've heard of heirloom varieties, but I did a little more research after discovering this organization. This is my, my very basic, rudimentary understanding of what heirloom varieties are. So again, this is my basic understanding. Limited research. But basically, as we have more industrial farming and we have seed companies and all sorts of agricultural companies that are trying to get the most out of their seeds and they're trying to make things that are resistant to weeds and to pests, all sorts of things like that, we start to lose a lot of the biodiversity of plants that have adapted, changed, because they've grown in certain areas and certain climates and smaller groups of people or individual people have saved seeds from year to year. So with all of this larger, more industrial farming, we get less biodiversity. And I'm not 
trying to attack large-scale farming. I'm certainly not trying to attack a lot of the scientific advancements that have made it possible to produce large quantities of crops that are used for food and for other products. I understand that's the situation we have. That's the reality we have. But biodiversity is extremely important. And we've been losing a lot of these heirloom varieties of vegetables, fruits, vegetation of all kinds. And my understanding is that technically heirloom seeds, heirloom varieties are plants that are open pollinated as well. They're sort of existing a little more naturally for lack of a better term. And they're being pollinated by the insects and other animals that pollinate these plants in nature. And what the Seed Savers Exchange does is it sets up a bank where it houses a lot of these heirloom varieties. And it has this exchange where people can also, they'll put up for sale, people can buy these heirloom seeds that they have reproduced or stored. They make available so that other people can be growing them, adding to their own, the biodiversity in their own gardens, their own areas, encouraging those people to continue to share. It's very much like some of the repopulation efforts we've seen with endangered animals, where there's organizations that are trying to take in and protect some of the endangered species while also trying to put those species back into their native environment so that they can repopulate on their own as well. And that's kind of what's going on with this, but with plants. I think this is really cool. I think it's a really fascinating thing. Personally, I got a lot deeper into gardening this last year. My daughter, Claire, who I talked about at the top of the show, she and I planted our first real garden this year. We've been doing houseplants and different things for some time and replotting things. And we got a real nice garden going this last year. And now we've got a nice compost pile going. And we've got a compost bin in the house. We put stuff in and then take out to the pile. And I've just gotten more into this. I love having fresh vegetables and things right there from my yard. I like the organic nature of them. And I just, anything where we're protecting the environment, doing things to make make our earth just a little greener, a little bit better for the future, I think is a very important thing. And I love that this is so close to where I live. And I want to find out more about them, dig deeper into what they're doing, and learn more for myself. That's the Seed Savers Exchange Their website is seedsavers.org. And if you're someone who's into gardening and things like that, you can purchase from them some of these heirloom varieties of 
vegetables and other plants. This is Family Time 93. I was kind of excited for this one only because it's number 93, which is a number that I like. It was my defensive number when I played football in college, which doesn't mean a lot to anybody else, but it's kind of funny if you're a sports person or someone who just has an affinity for numbers. There are certain numbers that sort of just jump out to us, mean something to us, and 93 is always a big number for me. It's one of my favorite numbers. So this is Family Time 93. We're talking about technology and communication. We're back to relationship skills for our social-emotional learning competencies. And when we're talking about relationships, we're talking about communication in our contemporary society, we have to consider how technology plays a role in our communication. And that's not to say that it's inherently good or bad, because it isn't. There are a lot of great aspects of communication, new avenues, newer avenues of communication that exist because of the technology we have. We are much more connected to people all over the world. I see this so much with my students, and that's who I'm really thinking about is my students, my own children. That's what all of this stuff is focused on. And there's a lot of great things, I think. I think in some ways, my students, my children, perhaps the younger generation as a whole is a little more open-minded, a little more culturally aware, a little less divisive about some things because they are constantly exposed to so many different ideas. They're exposed to people who are from different areas, from different backgrounds, all those sorts of things. I see a lot of good in that. I also see a lot of potential positives in what what we can learn, how we can be motivated. We can use social media and internet access, all those sorts of things, as a very powerful tool. Because we have so much information available to us at all times. That's an amazing gift. That we can look things up and we can learn and we can, we can very much be self-directed learners. We don't always use our technology for that, but it's there, and and I do see it getting used. I do see students investigating things that are interesting to them, even if it's in a fairly passive way, like following certain people who inspire them on social media. That's okay. I think there's a lot of positives that come from that. I know I look at my social media and go through an Instagram feed or whatever, and there's there's a lot of coaching things that I'm interested in. And maybe it is just little clips that give me an idea for something down the road. I'm not actively investigating one thing, but I do find benefit in those sorts of things. So that's one thing I'm going to ask my students about is, what are some of the potential benefits of things specifically like social media? And there are, are a lot of good things. Then we're also going to talk about what are some of the potential risks. 
And I know there are certainly things that I am worried about, concerns I have regarding my students and my children with respect to social media. I think the first thing is that constant connection. It's great to have pretty much unlimited access to information whenever we want it. But because we have that constant connection, it's sometimes difficult to turn off. I do see the pressure that puts on our young people. In a lot of ways, I think I see less bullying in the school than I did even when I started teaching and certainly than I think was going on when I was in school. I think part of that is more of it has shifted to online. So it's not as visible. A lot of maybe bullying, tormenting, those sorts of things isn't physical in the way that it was maybe when I was younger either. And that's something that makes it tough is because when I was a kid and you maybe had an issue at school, you could hopefully go home and be away from that issue for a while. Or now, if, if there's an issue with friends or someone's getting bullied, it's harder to get separation because our young people are connected through social media, through their phones, through all of the contemporary technologies we have. And it's pretty easy to say like, oh, well, just ignore it, just be off of it. But I think that's a little naive. That's the world now. That's the world in which our young people have grown up. It's the world in which they exist. It's the world in which they communicate. They spend a lot of their time communicating that way. There's a lot of challenges that come with that. One being that constant connection. That they can't get away from some maybe negative things. And also, even when they're not experiencing negative things, I see a lot of students struggle with that, that FOMO, that fear of missing out. That they, because their friends are so connected to each other, they... They don't want to necessarily take a break from it because they don't want to miss out on something. They don't want to miss out on the message that's being shared. They don't want to miss out on if people are getting together. It's, a, it's hard that way, especially when we're young and we want to fit in and we're seeking a sense of belonging. We were just talking about last week when we were discussing validation separating ourselves from the constant connections in a group is hard. That does raise some other concerns about things like diminishing face-to-face -face conversation skills. It's funny. We'll talk about this in class. And my students recognize. They will point out that we're not as good as a generation, generalizing, but saying, 
A lot of us aren't as good with face-to-face conversation, feel uncomfortable, don't know what to say, feel awkward, because a lot of their communication is being done digitally. So then especially when they have to communicate with someone who's older or maybe has a, an apparent position of authority, there's some discomfort there. That is something I worry about because there is a great deal of value in face-to-face communication. And it's something that I know my students are going to have to develop especially as they go into the workforce because they will be working with people of different generations. That's another one of my concerns is being able to bridge the generational gaps. We did something just recently as a teaching staff at one of our in-services. Our principal put together a list of social media terms. It was abbreviations and slang terms or whatever that our young people are using. And this is very informative to sort of be aware of what is out there that we don't know. I think, I think that's something that's happened with communication through technology is maybe... Some of the generational gaps that always exist as we reach the older generation, we no longer understand everything the younger generation is doing. And part of that is natural, but things develop and change so quickly. Trends move so quickly. There's so many TikTok trends. There's a weekly new trend, it seems, that as an older generation, as a teacher and a coach and a father... I'm not going to keep up with all of them because I'm not tuned into that in the same way. So from my side, I have to at least be aware of that. There's a lot of things out there that I'm not going to be involved with that I'm not going to really be aware of. But then also trying to support the young people with whom I work by helping them understand that that's not all of communication either. There's a lot of comparison in social media. I'll see my students judge themselves against images that they're seeing through social media. People look a certain way, act a certain way, do things a certain way. And it's hard to separate and understand that they're seeing a catered image. Even when we consciously know that. We're all guilty of this. Even when we're logically, practically, we understand that we're seeing an image. Someone is is catering, is putting together and sharing for a reason. It's hard to separate ourselves and not not judge ourselves against the finished product we're seeing. And it's also hard to understand that we're seeing this little blip of a 
a person's life that may not be indicative of their entire existence and how they feel and how self-assured they are and how they're living day to day. But we compare ourselves to those images. I see that really affecting young people. And even on a more innocent level, some of the challenges that arise through social media is just the mindless scrolling and the limited attention span required of much of it. It's these quick videos and little blurbs and it's something that's just scroll, scroll, scroll. It's the extreme version of when I was a kid and flipping channels when cable television first really came to be, came to be widely spread. It can be such a time waste scrolling through social media. Time just passes and we're not actively looking for anything. We're just scrolling. And that, I think, leaks into a lot of our lives is we're not actively pursuing something we're just scrolling, we're just sort of going along, not looking for anything in particular. Those are all potential challenges. So, this my point right now isn't to try to solve all of these problems, but with all of this stuff, it's important to have these discussions. It's important to have these discussions in class to ask ourselves how does communication impact or how is communication impacted by technology in general? What are some of the positives? What are some of the negatives? And personally, individually, it's important that we ask those questions. How do I interact with technology? How do I interact with other people through technology? How is that impacting my communication skills? Do I enjoy it? Am I getting something positive out of the time I'm spending connected with social media, etc.? And if not, how do I better manage those things? How do I better utilize those things? We'll talk more about this down the road, but it's important to come up with some management strategies. I try to do that. I find myself scrolling through Instagram without a real plan. But then I, I try to set myself up because I don't mind that sometimes. Sometimes I like to just see what's on there. I like to pick up new stuff. I like to check out what people are posting in areas of interest for me. I've got a lot of visual art stuff and football stuff and jujitsu stuff and whatever that I like to scroll through and see and save things. I can go back and look at them later. That's all right. But I try to be precious with my time and set aside, oh, right, this is the time that I'm going to scroll through Instagram, whatever. Then I try to put limits on that and I try to set my phone aside. That's one thing I always keep my phone on silent, do not disturb mode so it doesn't vibrate anything. So I'm just checking my phone when I have time and seeing any messages, calls, anything like that that I do have. I'm not letting it interrupt whatever I'm doing in the moment. And with that, I try to actually not carry myself all the time. Unless I'm traveling or I'm somewhere where it's handy to have it, 
when I'm teaching, when I'm at home, I just set it aside somewhere. I don't have it with me so that I'm not tempted with downtime. It's something I'm specifically seeking out and doing. And that's a little bit of an aside. That's kind of where we want to go from here. But first, we have to have those conversations about how technology is affecting our communication. But let's have a great week this week. Let's think about communication. Let's communicate with each other. Much love. My blog post for this week is the moment and the self. I very much like to study different beliefs, different philosophies, different schools of thought to try to learn whatever I can, to take away things that connect with me, to find some value. I don't claim to be an expert on any school of thought or religion or philosophy. But I like to study those things. I have found a strong connection with many of the philosophies, many of the principles of Zen Buddhism. Particularly, I like the notion that Zen is about relieving pain and trauma from our lives. And by my understanding, there are two major components that really connect with me that help ease suffering in our lives, and that is focusing on the moment and the self. For me, it seems that I am in my greatest states of trauma, discomfort, sadness, anger, when I'm not focused on the moment and when I'm not focused on myself. And I've tried to come up with an explanation, my own explanation. And for me, it boils down to the idea that the moment is only big enough to hold the moment. And far too often we try to drag other times into the current instant. We'll get caught up in the past. We'll dwell on negative things that already happened to us and we carry those things with us. We let past traumas invade the now and we're really just holding on to a memory something may have been uncomfortable or traumatic might have been terrible in the past but it is in the past it's something that's gone it's over and the more we let those things impact our current moment the more we take ourselves away from the existence we do have. And all we really have is this moment. I'm not saying that isn't valid. But we know past traumas impact people now. And I'm not saying that we're 
going to just be able to turn off negative feelings, negative memories. And I'm not saying we should do that. It's important that we learn from the past. That it becomes something that helps us grow. That it shapes how we act and behave in the current moment. But that's the key. We have to live in the current moment because that is all we have. We do the same thing looking forward. So often we want to live in the future. Positively or negatively. We either worry about things that are going to happen. We stress over future realities that may not come to be. We spend so much time and effort and emotion on stuff that's not necessarily going to happen. We're just speculating. Even if we're looking forward positively, if we spend all of our time looking ahead, we lose the only thing we really have, which is now. And we do that a lot. We're slogging through the work week looking forward to the weekend. Or we're looking forward to the next holiday. We're looking forward to the next event. We're looking forward to some imagined time where we'll get our lives all figured out and things will be better. And that's just not the way it works. It's good to set up goals. It's good to have dreams. It's good to visualize about our future. But we have to act in the present if we have any hope of living something like the future we imagine for ourselves. So anytime we bring any moment outside of the current moment into our immediate existence, we're overloaded. We have too much. This moment can only hold this moment. We do the same thing with the self. One of the few things we have control over in our lives is ourselves. How we react, how we behave, the things that we choose to believe in and devote our lives to. We're often willing to let other people make some of those decisions for us though. We'll get caught up in other people's opinions. We'll let other people dictate to us and we'll act a certain way because this person wants us to or we perceive this person wants us to act a certain way, look a certain way, do things a certain way. It's okay to have strong connections with other people. That's important. But again, if we bring more people into ourselves, that's not possible. Our self can only be our self. And that's a precious, precious thing because in the end, at the end of our days, we have our values, our beliefs, our hopes and dreams that we want to bring to life. That's who we really are. And when we bring in all of this other stuff, all of these outside pressures, when we 
absorb other people's emotions, we become overloaded. So it's important that we focus on the moment and the self. I certainly still struggle to do this, but I've gotten a lot better through things like meditation and just... And when I talk about meditation, part of it is a formal meditation practice, but the other is just giving myself a chance to reset during the day when I am feeling like I'm getting out of the current moment, when I'm stressing too much about things past or things future, or I'm letting other people impact me a little too much, I stop and reset and try to focus on what I have, which is myself in the moment and this instant. And that helps simplify things a little bit. Now here's a word from our sponsor. This week's podcast is brought to you by Secret Handshakes. Combining the best parts of secrets and handshakes. I like a good secret handshake. I haven't had really what I would call a secret handshake in my life. When I played football in Upper Iowa, a lot of the guys had a specific sort of handshake thing that had several movements to them. I didn't come up with it, but it's what a lot of the guys did. So I would do it. I also kind of always enjoyed when I would connect with people from different areas, different neighborhoods, grew up in a different way. They maybe had a different way of greeting each other, shaking hands, doing those sorts of things. I like that. Even if it's not a formal, planned, secret handshake, I like those kind of personal things, those sort of colloquialisms that like, this is how we say something, this is how we greet each other. Even just with friends, you know, there's certain friends that you maybe go in for the the one hand handshake and then the one arm hug, that sort of thing. It's kind of kind of some of it just sorts itself out. I kind of do that with my kids. There's a certain way we do things, or like with my son when he he's 11 years old now. My son Mickey, but when he was an infant, for whatever reason, when I tuck him into bed, he would sort of headbutt me, not hard, but kind of lean his forehead into to mine and it just sort of stuck not to embarrass him but I still do that with him every night when he goes to bed and it's kind of a kind of become a cool thing it doesn't have to be like this sappy thing he's older now he's becoming something of a young man that doesn't have to be a big lovey-dovey thing but just uh A nice little tap of the head. And those things are great. I remember my youngest brother Landon having a very, very elaborate secret handshake. I think it was with his friend Josh, which I would just give a shout out to Josh Steinberg and all of the Steinberg family who are just some of the most wonderful people and 
I shout them out because I know sometimes they listen to these sorts of things, but uh, I just remembered them having this long, elaborate secret handshake that was a lot of fun seeing those two do. So that's it. This week, our goofy fake sponsor is Secret Handshakes. Spend a little time thinking about some of that silly stuff in your own life, how we make those specific connections with people in our lives. Now from me to you, thank you so much to everyone for joining me this week again for another episode of the podcast. For our good news segment, we talked about Seed Savers based out of Decorah, Iowa. That's the Seed Savers Exchange. This seed bank that they've created and this seed exchange they've created to protect heirloom varieties of many different plants. That's so cool to me. I think it's awesome that it's this close to where I live. I want to do a lot more research. I want to connect with them. It's so important that we do things that help keep our planet thriving and growing the best that we can. For our family time, we talked about communication in our contemporary society, in this technological age and how technology influences, impacts our communication for better and worse. Spent a little time talking about the moment and the self, how the current moment isn't really big enough to hold any of our past traumas or our future concerns, how it's good to learn from the past and plan for the future, but we have to live in the moment and we have to be focused on ourselves even while we're connected to other people and we're supporting others, which is right and good to do. We have to stay focused on ourselves first. And then we talked about silly things like Secret handshakes. So this week, think about how you're communicating. Think about how technology is impacting your communication. Maybe take a little time to think about something you can do to help the environment, help the world for the next generation. Take some time to focus on yourself, to be present in the moment in whatever way works for you. And maybe... Find somebody you care about and give them their little secret handshake. Or maybe it's a turn of phrase. Maybe it's even just a a movie line that you know that they'll get and share that moment. Because those things are special and important. Those are the real important things in life. Until next time, love yourself, love each other, love the fight. Feel free to reach out through any of the social media stuff. Luke Nielsen Media, pretty much everywhere. LukeNielsen.com. Again, we'll have some more stuff coming out with my book, Ernest from Earth. Look for that very soon. Hopefully, I have some other things going on as well. I appreciate all of you. Thank you. Much love.